0: What is innovation really, and can we create it simply, especially in critical situations? Welcome to Reinventors, with me, Amisa Goshi, and Tomas Lantara, by The Crisis Compass, where we hear from entrepreneurs, activists, business leaders, and inspiring minds from all walks of life about reinvention in challenging times. Whether you're leading large teams, small organizations, or are struggling with dilemma decisions personally and professionally, this podcast is for you. Welcome to the first episode of our Reinventors podcast by the Crisis Compass. Um, I'm Anissa Goshi, one of your two hosts, co-founder of the Crisis Compass, um, with some 17 years experience of specializing in client retention and stakeholder relationship management in various industries, both in critical and less critical times.
1: I'm Thomas Lantala, I'm co-host here and co-founder of the Crisis Compass. I have uh, about 15 years of experience, per plus minus, in the, with managing crisis, international mediations, and uh, working with high performance teams and leadership development
0: and so we've been actually um, had the pleasure and the privilege of speaking to some many in fact incredible people from different industries and walks of life um, in the past couple of months um, in launching and in preparing to launch the podcast so um, we didn't actually plan to record one of us as just hosts but um, after all (laughs) it's changed so here we are no
1: here we are. And I think change is, I mean, it's important because change is not only everywhere in any uh, at all times, but it's also really important right now. So I think that's also why we decided to change that a bit around and make also an episode.
0: Yes. And introduce a little bit about who we are, you know, and why we're here. And we're super excited. So, um, Thomas, I'm going to throw a question your way. So, Sure. <laughs> famous last words um you have over 15 years experience in international mediation and negotiations crisis management using communication psychology which i know is very dear to you and your work um, and leading crisis teams in complex conflict and disaster contexts in at least 25 countries Um, just to summarize it briefly and translating this experience to assisting businesses prepare for and manage crisis um, with a focus on reinvention you've had a busy life um so i the question for you here is why is time frame one crucial aspect to consider and keep in mind when communicating about critical situations in an open-ended crisis like the one that we're actually experiencing now
1: yeah first of all it sounds actually quite busy when you <laughs> when you say it so i realized that now listening to it um time frame well time frame is one of the the, the most important things as we i think all experience right now i mean uh Covid-19 has been going on for yeah a bit more than a year now, and globally probably a bit less than a year. But what we see is that, of course, the, the crisis develops not in linear. It's not that we know in the beginning how it's going to end. Um, sometimes it's an event, as in this case now, it's a virus uh, that has consequences that are shaped by a dynamic system around it. So, what I what I like to call is is crisis moving cycles. Uh, whether they are regular or whether they are more more often than not they' are unpredictable, so I do think that that we have to be very adaptable when it comes to that, and that of course also has is connected to how we communicate I mean now, when we reflect over the past ten, eleven, twelve months, maybe we will see a lot of difference in not only how the crisis developed but also how we as people as maybe Complete countries as industries as sectors had to deal with the situation and and as crisis leaders it's it's often one of the most challenging things to to find the right message at the right time and I think what I've seen often is that that crisis leaders are way too focused on what they actually want to say and are not flexible flexible enough in the sense of how the audience perceives it because that gives you a chance to then readjust and a time a crisis like COVID-19 now is it's just really a crisis where you have to um, learn and adjust and change your communication according to not only the situation, but also the audience and its different needs. And I have just seen that this, in some cases worked really well. In other cases didn't go so well because uh, there was no flexibility in the communication. There was no um, no clarity in the communication. I wrote about that a while back that this whole typical, well, what's rule? What's, it, what's regulation? Um, are we how often are we going to change our approaches? so there's a lot of elements to that which i think um, can change over time and that's why time frame is something very very crucial to consider uh, in crisis communication
0: mm, absolutely um... And also, it's something that we'll touch upon in a moment in keeping that balance as well. Um, Because what we stand for in the Crisis Compass and also with the Crisis Compass process, um, the way that it's designed, um, you know, is a way that facilitates a balance between external expertise and use of internal resources to ultimately place teams and organizations at the core of navigating their crisis, you know, focusing on opportunities and reinvent their path, including looking at the communication aspect very closely and internally in particular. Um, And like any other aspect of life, maintaining a balance um, wherever possible and controllable, controllable being a very important keyword here, is crucial in critical times um, and outside too, but since we're talking about crisis in critical times. And we've both worked with this in practice with clients and in our humanitarian backgrounds. And you've also written about this, this importance of of balance and keeping balance and to use that during critical times and situations.
1: Just, I'm, I'm all about balance. I think it's, I mean, you mentioned this internal communication that we, that we worked with. And I do think that's, that's really an underrated um, element of, of working with crisis because yeah, there's a lot of focus on external communication on protection of reputation, on uh, PR, um, which I just think is almost a bit of an overfocus. There's great people doing, uh, doing that out there, but what's often neglected is what you do internally and there's so much power. This is also where language comes comes in as really something that 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 is very powerful and that has to be adjusted over time. But, but what is important is to keep a balance because I have, I've learned um, Also the hard way that that too much of something is not necessarily a good thing. So there's this uh, there's lots of philosophers and people have talked about this um, and there's lots. I mean, I have spent, as you know, and, and um, The ones who cl- work closely with me know that as well that I have worked and spent time with aborigine communities in Australia and other indigenous communities around the world. So they all believe in this, uh, that there has to be a balance and, and the same applies for whatever we do in crisis. So too much of something is not a good thing, I think. So uh, whether you now relate to external and internal communication could also be one that needs to be in balance, right? Because if you only focus on t- internal uh, and external communication, as we have done, I've worked in a crisis where this is exactly what we've done. We've just focused on, talking to the media, uh, giving regularly updates on the situation um, and really having this external focus. And then after two, three weeks into the crisis, I meet a colleague who works very closely with me uh, and who asks, so what's actually going on? Because everything I know, I know from the media. And it's a bit like, oh yeah, that wasn't necessarily a good thing. Um, so I think that's that's just one thing, but what I, what I uh, like to emphasize now, particularly in this situation, because I've seen this in very recent weeks, that we have experienced um, particularly mixed messages. Speaking again of the time frame, um, we have on the one hand had this excessive portrayal of uh, all sorts of images that the first vaccines were given to to people. I mean, it was even a live stream of the arrival of vaccines in Norway uh, by the national TV. That's how this message was pushed to give hope. Fine, and hope is a very important thing hope is, in, is something that drives us and that supports our survival instincts from my experience. But then again, at the same time, there was information about new lockdowns. I mean, you sit in the UK, you know all about that. Um, so new lockdowns, uh, a mutation of the virus that not, we don't know yet much about, but some say it's gonna be more dangerous, but it's too early to say. So all these messages contradicted that hope. So again, it was a bit like, so where are we actually gonna go to? So, so what I think is is also when it comes to hope, for example, um, it's important to keep it in balance. And in balance to that would probably be acceptance. Yeah, it's like it is now. I mean, we're going to get mixed messages. We're gonna, we are going gonna—we don't know how long this is going to go on. Uh, but we can still hope that it's going to be not too long. Yep. So if you move it between those two, you kind of keep that healthy. Uh, in a way, it's probably better for your mental health. At least that's how I experienced it over the years. I don't know about you. Have you had a similar experience?
0: Yes, plenty, in fact. You know, both, obviously... <laughs> personal level and on a professional on a professional level and sometimes you know it's true and when we when we talk about this and also when we talk to to our clients because one of the things that we do say um is um or rather something that particularly you share with them on the communication psychology side of things is um you know um positive language does help you own the critical situation and save time and resources so it's important to focus on on that positive which also you know comes with hope Hope gives us positivity and gives us, as you rightly said, a drive, a push to keep going. But exceptions of reality to counterbalance that is also so very important because otherwise you do lose track of managing what is known. Because whether you live in despair because you're trying to look at what you don't know, or whether you live in hope because you're trying to look at what you don't know, you are still focusing on what you don't know. Whereas if you are combining both acceptance and hope, then at least in my experience and in my uh, opinion, at least you do have, you create that balance that we were talking about earlier on about, well, this is what I know, this is what I can control, you know, and this is how I can control it, uh, including in how I message and how I talk, how we talk internally, whether it's team leaders, whether it's members of a team, whether you are responding to a crisis or whether you're adapting to COVID, you know, whatever COVID means to you as a company and organization, um, if you balance the two, then there's a higher chance of actually taking decisions that are based on what is real, what is tangible and what is controllable.
1: I think you said something very crucial there as well, because what we also see a lot uh, in our work is, and I think we've also seen that individually, each of us, is the, that there's often too much of a reaction to a crisis. So basically like um, another balance that's important there is just really to get this momentum. Sometimes you have to react. I mean, there's unexpected events happening, there's decisions that you ha- didn't, didn't have on the screen that impact your your life. Like for example, the res- travel restrictions uh, impacted the work life, not only of our company, but of many other companies around the, around the planet. This was something you, you have to react to, that's fine. But then if you do that all along in the crisis, you'll never get ahead and eventually you'll lose motivation. Eventually you lose hope because you, 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 I mean, you also struggle to accept that that's how it's going to be, that you'll never be a step ahead. And that's what we're trying to really push because there's always an opportunity to be a step ahead, but you have to take the time and understand what's going on and then look at really what you can influence because it's not so important what you cannot influence. But I see a lot of time is being spent on that. A lot of thinking, a lot of discussing, a lot of irritation over new regulations. Yes, but they will not go away. Mm-hmm. So it's really also there, the balance between sometimes we have to react and reaction is fine and accepting that. But sometimes we also have to be proactive, try something, mm-hmm. try something new. I mean, there's hardly a better chance than to try something new as a, as a crisis, because what what you have to lose? Most of the time, nothing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think two things from what you said. First is just the paradox when we say we're trying to, to focus on what you don't know. And how can you focus on something that you don't know? Because by definition, is a question mark. And that, what you just said, leads really nicely to something else that we talk about. And that is, well, first of all, that everyone talks about right now is the idea of the new normal or, you know, normal in general. And uh, oh, wow. <laughs> love that i don't know about you but i've had a lot of uh, happy new 2020 wishes you know i think happy new year has been replaced with happy new 2020 but yeah so the new normal you know or normal and i mean normal in general and what a bizarre concept anyway if we were really to think about it as to right what is normal but also very importantly connected to what you just said this idea of demystifying change uh, and making change more of a part of the process or making it a constant state and in a positive way, not in an, you don't want upheaval all the time because then you don't get anything done, but to accept this idea that change is positive or can be positive and you can run with it as something positive, you know, towards um, actually achieving your goals. And actually this is also where starting this podcast um, has its roots, you know, in bringing perspectives of how we can actually embrace constant change and use reinvention in the constant flow Um, of personal and business life and actually hearing from amazing interesting people from all walks of lives you know and from different businesses large and small from activists from um, artists you know just to to really bring to people and businesses different perspectives about how change and reinvention are and can be part of your ongoing journey and how they are important
1: I think that and that's that's what I'm really looking forward to because I think what if there's one thing that these people will prove that there is no such thing as normal and that's and that's since there is no such thing as normal there is no such thing as new normal either um and for me it's just it's a bit frustrating to see that and i, I get I get really why people write about it, but I do think that that's again that's a bit for me is a is a false hope because. I think I, people have a need to go back to normal because they want to have more predictability. And that's, that's for example, something which I think people long for. Instead of normal, they, they long for predictability. They, they long for stability. They long for that they know what's going to happen the next day. And this is a dangerous thing uh, because, as we've seen, it can change the next day. And we've seen countries like Syria or other places in the world where, where I was in Syria. Uh, and I was in Syria at the beginning of the conflict and I was in Damascus and um, working and preparing for what's, what's happened the years after that and Damascus was a fascinating and a vibrant place and it, it was a normal life as what we would call a normal life and look at it now. Damascus still might, might be relatively normal but that's exactly what the point is. Normal is something that's relative Whoever you ask. So, but we might, by me, we, we talk about what we want with normal is be able to go out of the house to work, travel, have our holidays when we need them. In other countries, this is not at all normal. This is so far from normal, they don't even think about that. So I think that's, that's really a misplaced way of looking at it. I, that's where for me change comes in because what I think we underestimate is that we are constantly developing. We're just not realizing it. I mean, with all the experiences that we make at any time, we're, we're, we're showered with impressions currently. Whether it's uh, digital impressions, whether it's just being, you know, uh, new emotions that we're going through, whether it's just uh, experiencing something that we haven't experienced, we're developing it. Even in not critical times, we're doing that. You meet new people, you have a new task at work, you, uh, well, you heard something new, you read a book. These are all developments and technically all change. And change has just been so heavily loaded with almost like with a bit of negative classes, even though there's a lot of attempts to, to try to make it into something positive, I feel that people are more often afraid of it. it makes them uncertain. Um, it brings a bit of disruption to all the things that I've mentioned before, whether it's predictability, stability, and all those things. So I think that's why people are very skeptical to. And if you change that a bit around and say like, well, this is actually part of life. Let's take it for what it is and let's see where it takes us you might actually be more prepared for a crisis because for me, a crisis is nothing else than a radical change. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a situation has come so far that it requires change. There's no other way around it anymore. And that's when a crisis is. And that can be very quickly induced through an event or it can be over a long time. You, you don't see it coming until it is at the peak and turning point. And that's also what crisis ironically originally meant, uh, turning point, decisive moment.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's, I think, still very, very valid.
0: Absolutely. And another thing that summarizes, in a way, everything that we've been talking about um, earlier on um, now, um, it's ultimately this reality check that... um, whether it's with the current situation um, or any other so-called crisis or critical situation that we might face in a business or personally or whatever situation it might be, um, I think more needs to be talked about and focused on preparing for, especially with COVID right now, uh, if we stick with the current situation, preparing for a long aftermath and the importance of that. I feel that it's not as, um, not as talked about. I understand perhaps the reasons why is that, first of all, everyone has enough on their plates to deal with right now. But it's important to focus on the fact that, and you've written about this as well before, that just like when a major disaster hits, the real hard work, for lack of a better term, because not to diminish at all, all of the hard work that's been done in the past, it already feels like a year and a half, um, a year and a few months, all the hard work and um, especially also from all of the dedicated um, essential workers. But the real work, once the dust, so to speak, uh, the proverbial dust settles, the real work begins when the extent of the damage is visible. And that is after this initial hype activity to just keep going um, kind of dies down a little bit. And acceptance here is also important. Um, so looking at what we can do whilst managing what we know, but how with what we know, how we can prepare then for the long aftermath. And you've seen this, this a lot in the context that you've worked in, whether with businesses or um, in the teams that you've led responding to disasters and complex humanitarian conflicts as well.
1: I think I think we've seen both both we've seen that when it's I mean in the humanitarian world it's beautifully labeled protracted crisis um but it's for me it's a bit different than that it's I think a key element to it is that we have to stop hoping thinking and talking about an end to the crisis it's not going to come so with the logic that we have is it's constant change so the situation is changing and once the changes are implemented the situation is a bit different and it might be more positive again for many people. It might be freer, it, let's take COVID, the restrictions might be lifted, the virus might, there might be a vaccine that is uh, functioning for the virus and it has been widely spread and accepted. But that doesn't mean that the crisis is over because COVID-19 was way more than just a virus. Yep. The virus was triggering lots of dynamics, lots, it was exposing lots of, of flaws in our systems. Um, whether it's now the Western so-called Western world or whether it's other countries, um, you have still, you, you saw all of a sudden, wow, that thing's not working. And all these things require change and all these things require action. So the world will not change back just because we have a vaccine and it will anyway not get back to what we, whatever you want to call normal because of these 12, 16, 18, 24 months that COVID-19 dominated the scene. That can, no, Nobody can take that away. it's not going to be after like it was before, because that has been, that's an experience that we have made. so I think this is this is the first step that I would say. like you have to stop talking and thinking about the end of a crisis, and that's so so far for any crisis that mattered because that just makes you hope that one day this will be over, but I cannot remember maybe you can, but I cannot remember any crisis manager or crisis leader ever having said out loud the crisis is over
0: yep.
1: Because it's never, they cannot. How, how can they? Because there's always something that needs to be fixed. And the beautiful thing is really those, and that's, that's a nice example from the humanitarian world where you have, well, you had the tsunami back was 2004, was it, uh, where you, after the tsunami was gone, you saw what was left over.
0: Yeah.
1: And so the tsunami wasn't the actual crisis per se, but lots of things after that were very difficult to handle. So I think it's, it's also really this: it's not over just because we find a vaccine that's widespread. There's lots of work to be done afterwards. So we must not get the get and fall into the illusion that that's when it's all solved and now we can go back to our lives because we can't. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is uh, this is very important. Whether it's COVID or any other crisis, I think it's just again keeping this reinventors mindset um, that we're talking about, embracing the change, and then just looking upon it as like, well, that was now a peak where we needed more change. And now we're going into a bit of a, a calmer period again, where there's maybe less change needed. And because there's going to be times, moments, situations, events, where there's more change needed. Again, that's how it's going to work.
0: Yeah. And even those examples, you know, and as you say, yeah, I mean, the, the event itself, if we Okay, move a little bit from COVID. Um, But if we go back to the devastating tsunami of 2004, yeah, I mean, the event itself was major and impactful and so much loss of life, so much loss of property, disruption in governance, all sorts. Um, And that is tragic in itself. But then it doesn't, if you take it in the grand scheme of things, that was just a, a uh, a minor happening in a greater scheme of things. It was then this aftermath that also needed handling and arguably sometimes that is even more important because obviously um, if we take the loss of life then you have to really deal with the grief of loss of life and how you move forward and how you counsel through it and all of these things and we took a very dark example there but it's not that different with COVID in that sense because we do have loss of life and there is that communal you know psyche that we will also need to work on irrespective of what we do as a business or what we do as um, individual human beings
1: and that, and that, to 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 maybe close the cycle, it's also that's related to to the time frame we talked about initially, because also the time frame is just it's it's in a way also artificial, right? I mean, you can say like it lasts for 24 months. No, it lasts longer than that because there, there will be people that will be affected by the situation and they haven't even been in contact with the virus now for COVID-19. They will be affected by the situation for years to come, whether it's mentally, whether it's socially, whether it's economically. All those things are still there, so it's it 's really not about getting the illusion that that if you if you eliminate whether, whether it 's tsunami, an earthquake, um, the financial crisis uh, it, that, that things are over if you don 't change the system, if you don 't make the necessary changes, the next time this happens or similar things happen you will you will experience similar things um, and and I think that's that's just really that requires an open and honest communication and not only protecting. Uh, reputation or um, looking at like, how can we get best through this certain event now? But it's it's also, that's what I'm missing for the time being is this this clear statement, this is going to take a while. And even after the virus, we will have to work together to make make it through this. Um, And I think it's important to start slowly with that as well, because I think, uh, I I see that people are ready for this to be over. They don't want to work from home anymore. They're ready for physical contact again. But uh, that might, first of all, take a while. And even when it's there, it's going to be very different. Because if you haven't, let's say, if you haven't hugged someone for a year, the first hug is going to be very awkward um, and and weird. So uh, it's, uh, yeah, things have changed.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. And with the podcast, with our inventors' podcast and the people we've been talking to and we continue to talk to, that is one, one of the things that we really hope to bring, not only just there, some magnificent stories um, of true resilience and um, true reinvention um, and really coming out and through the dark times and also Um, tips and experiences from um, dedicated um, leaders and team members of various um, sizes, whether it's FTSE organizations or independent businesses, which are very dear to us in the work that we do. Um, And that's what we really hope to continue to give people, and I used hope here deliberately, um, to continue to give people this push that it is tough and we have to accept that but it is also an opportunity. And this is these are some other examples as to how people have come through other circumstances and how they come through the current circumstance as well. Um, I'm excited that we will be speaking to also a frontline worker here from the NHS who has been at the forefront uh, of... Um, obviously, not in a business context, but in a context of the reality of COVID last year and this year, and the differences. So, just to give that well-rounded view of this is what's real, um, but this is also what's possible and what's hopeful and aspirational. And uh, we hope to to be with people in the journey of not only getting them through, but then that long aftermath that we just talked about as well.
1: I think that's that's so fascinating about these conversations because you have you have the people who really live this mindset. Uh, who that we are talking about. They, they they're ready to for change, but they're ready to embrace also uh, you know, hard hits and say, like, well, you know, I can I can embrace it, I can take it, um, but I can also make the best out of this and, and this mindset and these beautiful tips that that uh, we're gonna hear about all in the coming episodes. It's just this was enlightening. And I'm I'm looking forward to the next conversations that we're gonna have because it's just really it's beautiful to see and to learn and to just hear how how people approach it because reinvention and reinventionist mindset is also not something that is the same for everybody and Mm -hmm. that makes it so beautiful but it's still the same process not only people approach it very differently so it's going to be very exciting.
0: Yes I'm super excited too Um, and I will just briefly actually since most of this conversation we've actually focused on ultimately some of the approaches to dealing with an open-ended Um, So just to summarize some of the things that might be helpful, including is to learn actually how to deal with all of these messages that we're getting and mixed messages, whether it's from government or whether it's internally, obviously trying to eliminate those, but learning how to deal with them and how to decipher them and how to make your way through them is an important part also of keeping your mental resilience in that sense. And um, avoiding this idea of false hope, but keeping the balance between hope and acceptance goes a long way to uh, keeping your mental resilience as well and to keeping going through this crisis, dropping this idea of a new normal and what is normal anyway. Uh, So to kind of work with that and play around with that and embrace the fact that um, change is a good thing, even when it's hard uh, and sometimes arguably particularly when it's hard um, and to just demystify the fact that it needs such great adaptation and one day at a time goes a long way. And finally, being real um, about the fact that we do need to prepare for a long aftermath. But again, um, employing all of these things that we've been talking about to, to kind of look at that as well.
1: One point, I think what we are trying to do is just really show people that there is always something they can do. Mm-hmm. And it's not something that you just have to react and wait what's what happens and uh, see how it plays out but you 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 can do things and uh, we want to empower people to take their decisions and get confident in them so i think it's um it's really yeah uh, you have a room for maneuver in every single crisis and um that's what we're trying to to really show you different ways forward this podcast
0: absolutely and um the podcast is available on all the platforms where you get your podcasts from so we look forward to you tuning in and thomas how can people get in touch with you
1: well, uh, they can get in touch with me and you for our website, um, www.thecrisiscompass.com. They can meet us on LinkedIn. I think they can speak for both of us. We're happy about new connections and, and get new perspectives and meet new exciting people. Um, so there they can reach, reach out or send us an email at uh, curious at the
0: that's right. And also you can um, follow our Instagram page, which is at reinventors It's been great bringing you this first episode and we look forward to welcoming you for all the others. Um, have a great day.